0: Acts chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 4. Just remain seated. Remain seated. Acts chapter 2, 2 through 4. Let me ask you a question before we get started and read God's Word. Have you ever had the desire to tell somebody about Jesus? Huh? This is important that we ask this ourselves. Truly, Has that desire ever came upon you suddenly? It has, right? For children of God, this desire comes upon us suddenly. We'll be in a store. It's happened to me at Ford's here in Jonesville. It's happened to me on the side of the road. It has happened to me in the parking lot here at the church. It has happened to me all over town. It has happened to me at Larto and in every place that I fish, which is a lot. It has happened to me all over the place. And the Spirit will come upon, and what does it do? Tell them about me. Now sometimes we do, and sometimes what? (laughs) <laughs> and, it, and it depends on your personality I think a lot of times too because the Lord knows each and every one of us and those that are shy have a, maybe a diff, more difficult time of showing this they like to live it but we need to understand that when the Lord sh- shares with us and says speak to them about me it is for a reason and so we need to be obedient to that. One of the most uh, peculiar times that this ever happened, thank you, Robert. One of the most peculiar times this ever happened to me was when um, some friends of ours and Casey and I went to South Louisiana to bow fish on the muddy uh, methane gulf of Mexico. <laughs> it was very stinky and it was very dirty that night. We were in about 12 inches of water and we were bow fishing and Casey and I still don't know why we were there until it came to about 3 o'clock in the morning when I witnessed to a man that was on the docks. He was cleaning our fish and he was on the docks and the Lord prompted my heart and said, Tell him about me. And I was thinking to myself, Oh, that's why we're here. That's why we're here tonight. I couldn't figure it out. In case you couldn't either, so there's there's times where the Lord suddenly comes upon us, doesn't He? Yes, He does. And tell me the truth, does it come out of thin air? It does, don't it? I mean, it's just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, He says, "Tell them about Me." You go in, and you're not thinking that you're going to be telling someone about Jesus, but then the Lord speaks to your heart, doesn't He? Yes, He does. So we can all. Not not all of us, obviously, but can we, can we say as children of God that this has happened to us? Yes, can you say that you've been obedient to that? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes not. Okay, we need to get that established before we go any further. Because the reason for the giving of the Spirit was to tell the whole world about Jesus. Yes. This was the reason for the giving of the Spirit. And so when that comes upon you, as it did in the upper room with them, all of a sudden, there's a reason for that. That reason is not to be withheld from those that we are being told to minister to. That reason is for us to share the gospel with other people so that God may be glorified. Let's get started. Now... With that being said, this is what I want to do. If the church can say amen to this, I will preach this whole message this morning. And we will not have service tonight because this is Labor Day weekend. And a lot of people are traveling in and out and coming and making special trips to come. But if you'll give me the time, I'll preach the whole sermon this morning. Okay. Give me the time. All right. Acts chapter 2 and verse 2. We're only going over three verses. And so I want you to pay close attention. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. We have had all the introduction that we need. I have, I have preached out of the book of Luke, the end of the book of Luke where Christ Jesus ascended and he says, I'm going to give the Spirit in a few days, not long from now I'm going to give the Spirit. And so they went to the upper room. We don't need an introduction to that. We don't need an introduction to Acts chapter 1 where they were uh, making right the church and filling, filling uh, Judas' spot all in unity all together. We've looked at those things. But as we look at this beautiful Lord's Day, this day of Pentecost, it was on the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. This beautiful day. Where many different tongues were spoken with fluency. We see another day where this happened as well. Can anybody tell me? If we go into the Old Testament. Babel. Babel. You say, beautifully with fluency? Sure. But it was an answer from God on their disobedience. But oh, they, taught, they spoke. They had instructed tongues. They had tongues that had been given to them that were of different languages. And we're going to get into that for just a moment because I think that when we teach and preach God's Word, it is essential that we tie both the old and the new together. I've been doing that since I've came here, and I'm going to continue to do that. We have to do this when we think about God's Word and tongues that are spoken of here in Acts chapter 2. Because there's a lot of people that have made tongues something that they are not. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So when we compare God's Word with God's Word, God's Word out of the Old Testament with God's Word in the New Testament, when we compare those two together, we're going to get a better understanding of what's taking place in the New Testament. Not some flippant language that nobody understands. Not some crazy tongue that you yourself don't even understand. No, this was language. This was different languages that were spoken. They were spoken with fluency. It happened in Genesis in chapter 11. Genesis 11, this was an open rebellion from Nimrod... An open rebellion against God's command to go forth and to multiply and replenish the earth. It says, when they had begun to travel east, they stopped and camped at, the, at the, the place of Shinar. Go go there with me. Go there with me. Acts 11. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, Genesis 11. Let's hear those pages turn. I'd love to hear the pages turn. We're going to look at the Old Testament significance. First, and then we're going to go back to the New Testament. Acts and chapter... or I'm sorry, Genesis and chapter 11. This coup that was fixing to take place, this rebellion against God's command to replenish the earth, given to Noah and his family, started with the rebellion with Nimrod, which is a picture of the Antichrist. We see this very clearly in Scripture. He openly rebelled against God's command to go throughout the whole earth. He rebelled and the Lord dealt with him and his followers. How did the Lord deal with him and his followers? Let's read. Genesis chapter 11, 4 through 9. Let's go ahead and read all of it. 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language. You see that? One language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and and bits for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower which is top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. See, that's what God wanted in the first place. He wanted them to be dispersed over the the face of the whole earth. Why? So they, they would inhabit the whole earth to bring him glory. But what happened? The people got wise, didn't they? The people began to think together and they said, wait a second. We can all communicate. Well, let's stay here. Let's goad each other and excite each other into doing this one thing. You see, it says calm and it says it twice. There is a level of energy there with that word. That would be like me telling Isaiah, "Come, Isaiah, let's go somewhere. Let's go out to the garden and pick the okra." There's a level of excitement there with my son because he loves to go out to the garden. Let's go pick the cucumbers. Well, here are the men, mainly Nimrod, says, "Go, come, let's go." Let's do this. Let's get this thing done. He was encouraging the people to do one thing and that was to build a tower and a temple that would reach up into the heavens so that they could make a name for themselves. This is called what in God's word? Idolatry. Disobedience. Idolatry. It's wicked. It is evil. Listen to what it says. Come, let us... Uh, Build ourselves a tower, a city and a tower which is top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down. You see, this is what happened in Genesis 1 or Genesis 3. Remember, they disobeyed God's word. He hadn't given them a whole lot of different commands here. He said, don't eat of the tree. Right? And they did it. And now he tells them, He tells them to go forth and replenish the earth and to love Him. And now they're disobeying it. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, they are... I'm sorry, verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Kind of sounds like the garden, doesn't it? Right, right. Kind of sounds like Acts chapter 2 where the Lord... Descended, right? And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there, confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them From there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Turn back with me there to Acts in chapter 2. On that day the Lord gave great confusion... Great confusion there in Genesis 11. Great confusion and great babbling so that the people would disperse and leave from one another and accomplish the desired plan that he had purposely given in the first place. He's like, I'm going to have my way whether you obey me or not. He comes down, he confuses their language, and so they leave. Right? Right? This gave the people different languages. Yes or no? What kind of languages did it give them? Somebody give me an example. Chinese! Japanese! English! Spanish! German! and, And forms of these all sorts of different types of languages. In other words, they could not stand together and communicate and work together because they couldn't get anything done because they could not communicate I think this is very well understandable. Yes, yes. Jerry, Stewart here, used to be over how many people, Jerry, when you worked? A bunch. a bunch. Over a bunch of people. Jerry would say, go do this and go do this and go do this. And they did that. But if Jerry spoke Chinese and they all spoke English, Jerry would be looking like a madman. And nothing would get accomplished. So the Lord tells them, I'm going to give you different languages. He gives them the different languages, English, Spanish, Chinese, German, etc., so on and so forth. The people were fluent in them, those people that spoke those different languages, they went to their own place, and that's why we have the different people groups that have been scattered across the face of the earth. That's Genesis chapter 11. It is very key in God's Word. Why do we have different people? Because of this right here. Different languages? Because of this right here. They went to the different places, they scattered, changing the tongue. God changed their tongue. And so he had his way as it should have been all along. His way was for them to be scattered. The builders of the Tower of Babel were building a house. They were building a house, listen to me, they were building a house that was not of God. And so we see that their labors were all in vain. They worked hard on it. They wanted to make a name for themselves. You know, there's a lot of churches that they want to make a name for themselves. They work hard at it. But it's not, not of God. We know that except the Lord build the house, those that labor, labor in what? They labor in vain. So why all the talk about Babel? Here's the answer. Because the instrument used to separate the people throughout all the earth... You listen to me and you write this down. Because the instrument used to separate the people throughout all the earth will be the same instrument used to gather the people from all over the earth. It'll be the same instrument used to gather the people from all over the earth. Not to build a house of our own choosing, not to build a house of our own will, but build a house that is not made with hands. To build a house not made with hands, but rather by the Spirit of God. The church, built by God and not by man. To accomplish this, the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, gave the people different tongues, different languages that were understandable and they spoke them fluently. In Acts chapter 2. Why? Why? So that the gospel would be spread throughout all the earth, beginning at Jerusalem. So, what was meant to separate the people, the tongue, is now going to be used to bring the people to God. By the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to do this work, and it's going to begin there in Jerusalem. At the Tower of Babel, the people were united to rebel against God's commands. So he dispersed them with different languages. In the upper room on the day of Pentecost, the 120 were united with one mind. And their unity was based upon obedience to God's commands and love to God and not themselves. You see the difference? And at Babel, they were going against God and His commands. And so the Lord came down and dispersed them. But in Jerusalem, in the upper room, they were were obedient and waiting for the promise to come. They were obedient and they were in unity. Obeying the commands of God. And what happened? The Spirit fell on them. And then they began to speak in other languages, other tongues. Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And suddenly, you'll want to mark that. All of these words are critical in this passage of Scripture. And suddenly, remember I told you earlier that it comes upon you suddenly, doesn't it? To speak to somebody else about the Lord. Why is that? Because that is the Spirit prompting you to do that. Satan doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to minister. He doesn't want us to share the gospel with other people. But it suddenly comes upon us and we can't help but to do it. Or at least a lot of times to feel it. Yes. Because we do. Whether we do it or not is something totally different. We'll get into it here in a little bit later. But it says, and suddenly, all of a sudden, it did not slowly grow into a powerful movement of God, but rather it was there. Just as Jesus appeared In the room with the disciples and all the others, just as the angels appeared from heaven at the birth of Christ, just as Christ appeared in the Old Testament, he was there. Suddenly, it was there. Verse 2 And suddenly there came from heaven. I love this. I love it. Came from heaven. Where did it come from, guys? Heaven. Did it come from man? Did it come from anything that we do? No, it does not. The scripture teaches us that the third person of the Trinity came from glory, descending from heaven. It is not something that we conjure up. I have seen places and I've seen different denominations that they'll sing two or three songs over so many times to try to get people conjured up, to get a feeling moving in the room because they believe that that is the Spirit of God. If we conjure it up, it is not of God. The Spirit dwells within us. What our problem is, so often, is that we need to let it out more. It's burning there. I can see it in your hearts. But we need to let it out more. It came from heaven. It did not come from man. It came from glory. This third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, came to dwell with men. It descended from heaven. Scripture teaches us that our help comes from where? Come on, guys. It comes from above. It comes from the Lord, right? That all good and perfect gifts come from where? Comes from above, right? From the Father who gives to us liberally. Very generously He gives them. And so the Spirit comes from above here in Acts chapter 2. Please listen to this. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not of man. It comes from above. It comes from God. Verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. On this day, this sound was audible to not only the 120, but also to the multitudes that had gathered around. Remember, this was the day of Pentecost. It was a feast day, a feast, a festival. We talked about this last Wednesday night. This was a festival day. When they brought in the first fruits, or in other words, 50 days after they brought in that wheat harvest. The first harvest, first fruits was barley. The second one was wheat. And that was 50 days after, and this was a celebration. So everybody, all these Jews had had came to make this, this journey to Jerusalem 50 days after Passover to come to offer unto the Lord first fruits of their wheat. So they came and there were multitudes there and... When the sound was heard, it was heard not just by those that were in the room, but according to verse 6, it was heard to all those that were outside as well. It says in verse 6, And at this sound, the multitude came together. What multitude? The multitude that was outside, that was out from every, every nation. I mean, we're going to look at that here in just a little while, or not this morning, but later on. This sound brought amazement, it brought bewilderment, it brought astonishment according to the scripture. What type of sound was it like? It was like a blast, a rushing mighty wind. It was, it was like a, a blast or a horn, something that was loud, something that clapped, something that popped and got everybody's attention. Yes, yes. We've all heard, whether in real life or through TV or whatever it may be, the sounds of tornadoes and how loud and how violent they are and how they sound like just a, a, a raging horn just going through, deafening the ears. We've heard that blast. We've heard what it's like. We've heard the freight trains, what they sound like. We know that when Christ was born... What happened? That yet that the angel came down, and then the heavens opened up, and the sound of the heavenly host began to sing and began to glorify God at this glorious occasion. When the Son of God came to earth, remember when He came. The shepherds heard it. The shepherds heard the angels. Loudly praising the Lord. Here the sound came from above at the giving of the Spirit from heaven. And we also know that when Jesus returns, there's going to be another sound quite similar to it. Is there not? The Scripture teaches us that at a cry of command with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trump, Of God from heaven. That's when He returns. And so this sound is marked and we see it with God. And we see this rushing mighty wind with God, but we're also going to see something else that's going to mark it as well, and that's going to be fire in just a moment. There's a rushing mighty wind that came and it was heard. And I want you to make no mistake about it, whether it was in the rushing mighty wind or in the still small voice. Either in the rushing mighty wind that was loud and popped or in the still small voice, our Lord will be heard. I want you to look next at how supernatural this was. Verse 2, And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. You got a piece of ice there. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> this is an oddity for sure, and I'm going to tell you why this is an oddity. Because rushing mighty winds don't fill houses up. They blow them over. That's right. Amen. Rushing mighty winds don't fill them up, they blow them over. Yes. Yes. Blow down anything and everything in their path that comes in contact with. As we see tornadoes and hurricanes and all these different things do. Straight line winds just blow everything right down and everything in its path. But this rushing, mighty wind did not blow down, nor did it destroy, but rather it was a filling wind. It was a filling up wind. The reason why I'm preaching this all together and the reason why I want you to pay attention to me today is because it is so important for us to see whether we have the Spirit of God indwelling us or if we do not. It was a filling up wind. This rushing, mighty wind did not blow them down, it did not slay them in the spirit, it did not destroy them. It did not make them to where they could not be understood. It did not make them weird. It did not make them run around and act stupid. This rushing mighty wind filled them up. Yes, yes, amen. Filled the house up. Amen. You pay attention to what I'm telling you. It was a filling wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verses 3, listen to what it says. And divided or cloven tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Here we have wind, but now we're fixing to have fire. Two things that come from the Lord that we see all throughout the Scripture that show His wrath, that show His judgment, but also show that He is real and that He is God. The Scripture teaches us that our God is a consuming fire. Yes, yes. And we've got to understand what's happening at Pentecost is consuming. This 120 were filled up. These tongues rested on their heads, on top of them, on each one of them. It did not just rest on the men, but it also rested on the women as well. It is described as different tongues of fire. The Lord is revealing himself to the early church. And he is doing so in a way we are familiar with. We have already seen wind and how the Lord displays his power in wind. Now we see him revealing himself in fire. And it's true, our God is a consuming fire. We have to understand that. But this fire, like most fire, did not burn them up nor did it consume them, nor did it destroy them. It did not leave them with third-degree burns. That was a joke. Some of y'all will get it later. The third person of the Trinity, third-degree burns. Never mind. (laughs) Casey finally got it. But rather it came and it rested on each one of them. They could see those tongues of fire resting on each other. This was something that they could see. They could hear it and they could see it. And this is something that all children of God have to be able to understand. That when we become a child of God, it better be seen in you and it better be heard in you. These are things that accompany a a true child of God. Their speech changes. Their actions change. Am I telling the truth or am I not? These are things that should be seen and heard in a child of God. They should be heard, speaking of the goodness of God. And they should be seen doing the goodness of God. Let's keep going. Y'all pay attention. And it came and rested on each one of them. The Holy Spirit that rested on them was gentle. It was not killing, it was not slaying, but it was gentle. If you recall in the book of Matthew in chapter 3 in verse 16, when Jesus was baptized, it says that he immediately went up. And what happened? The heavens opened up, didn't they? And the Spirit of God descended upon him and it was in the form of a dove. And it rested upon him is what it says. And so here in Acts in chapter 2, we see the same Spirit coming and resting upon those that are in the upper room. This holy fire that rested on them was life-giving. But that's speaking about those two things separately. Let's put those two things together. Put them together and we'll have a better understanding of what the Lord is trying to show us with this special gift at Pentecost. For when you put wind and fire together, what is said about the church and the gates of hell not prevailing against it comes to be true. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm, let me tell you what I mean. Fire is one thing. But when you put a mighty wind, a gusty gale behind it from glory, who can stop it? Nobody. As long as there is fuel, it will continue to burn. I don't care how many helicopters and how many firefighters you got. Whole forests and mountaintops, they burn up. Houses burn down. If you've got a fire and a driving wind, it cannot be stopped. And so, the church will never be stopped. Amen. You pay attention to me. It will never be stopped because we have a holy wind and a holy fire that is pushing our witness to the four corners of the earth. Amen. Who can stand before such a mighty, consuming Holy God, when He pours out His Spirit on His people. Pay attention to me now. So we've put, we've looked at the wind and we've looked at the fire. We've put those two together. And then we're going to see how that applies to the church in the New Testament. Let me show you how it applies to the church. The Scripture teaches us that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But the people could tell that they had been with God. Yes, yes. And it also tells us that they turned the world, what? Upside down. Why? Because the Pentecost wind, the Pentecost fire was blowing in them. And they were letting it come out. Yes. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Everyone heard the rushing mighty wind? Everyone saw the divided tongues and the fire? And everyone was filled with the Spirit. It says they were filled with the Spirit. Filled with it. Filled up. In other words, their cup overflowed, didn't it? Amen. They were filled with the Spirit. So much so that they couldn't help but to speak of the goodness of God. One of the characteristics we see in children of God is that their cup overflows. And I'm not talking about just provisionally I'm talking about their cup overflows Christians should have a desire to share the love of Christ with others remember I told you earlier that it suddenly comes upon you you know that it does well that's what it does with me and I know that it does with others it suddenly comes upon you, and when it does, the Lord says, go speak to them about me. Tell them about who I am. Tell them about my wonderful works. Tell them of redemption. Tell them of remission. Tell them of a free pardon. Tell them about being born again. Go, tell them. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that that is one of the characteristics we see in the children of God is that their cup overflows. They have a desire to share the love of Christ with others. Doesn't matter what age. They have a desire. We should want to tell other people about the hope we have. We should want to tell others about how sin destroys and kills These are things that we should want to do if the Spirit of God dwells within us. Because this is what the early church did. You go over and you look at Peter and the first message that was preached and you will see very clearly that he rebuked them in their wickedness. He said, you crucified him. But you can be saved by believing in him. When was the last time the Lord led you to speak to someone about Him? When was the last time? This may happen a lot to you. You may not be obedient to it, but it may happen a lot and I'm going to challenge you to do it. When He tells you to. Those that have Him, this third person of the Trinity, God, those that have Him, speak of Him. Those that don't, don't. (laughs) Right? I know that this is hard to hear, but those that have Him speak of Him, and those that don't have Him, they just don't. Since I was saved, I've had a desire, even as a young man, at 13... And as awkward and as shy and as backward as I was, I had a desire to tell others about Christ. Didn't really know how to do it. All I really knew is that He saved me. He saved me from my sins. That's all I knew. But from the time I was 13 until now, I've had a desire that's burned in my heart to share with other people whether I did it always is not always the case. It didn't happen always that way. I've not always been completely truthful and and obedient to the Lord in this. And I think we can all be real if we examine our heart in that area. But nevertheless it was still there saying Matthew minister to this person. Witness to this person. Share with this person the love of Christ. And I've had that since I was saved. It's not gone away. It suddenly comes upon me much like it did at Pentecost with them. Where they begin to testify of Jesus and His wonderful works through the working of the Holy Spirit. It still comes upon me the same way. Share with them the love of Christ. I got to a couple of days ago. Share with somebody the love of Christ. I got to do it. The Lord put it on my heart. I got to do it. He gave me the opportunity and I did it. Sometimes I'm obedient to it and sometimes I'm not. We all know that. But regardless, that burning to tell is still there. Why? Let me tell you why. Because we have been filled with the Spirit of God. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth... Speaks. Yes, yes. And so, if we have been filled with the Spirit of God, it is going to overflow somewhere. Yes. You're either not allowing it to overflow because of sin, or maybe you don't have it altogether. But those that are called, those that are true children of God, are filled with the Spirit of God. Yes. And it will overflow and it will come out. And you will share it with other people. The Scriptures teaches that they couldn't help but to speak about Jesus. Lock them up. Throw them in the fire. Tie them up. Burn them. Do whatever you got to do. They're still going to speak about Jesus. Because they were full of the Spirit of God. My question to you today is, are you full of the Spirit of God? If you don't have a desire to tell others about Christ, there's a good chance that you're not full of the Spirit of God. Or you're living in sin and you're most miserable. Or congratulations, you are doing it. I pray that He gives you more people to minister to. But one way or the other, One way or the other, He is going to be heard and His will is going to be accomplished. Just as it was in Genesis chapter 11, just as it is in Acts chapter 2. His word will go forth throughout all the earth. And so this morning, my question for you, my challenge for you. The text tells us they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues rested upon them. And what happened according to verse 4? Listen to what it says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What did they begin to do? They began to speak. If I've said it one time, I've said it a thousand times from this pulpit. The church is supposed to be a speaking church. Not fighting with the sword of the flesh, not fighting with actual weaponry but fighting with the sword of the Spirit, using the mouth to do so. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Tongues, other tongues. These were other languages. What was happening, y'all bear with me, I've got about one more minute here. What was happening is what took place in Genesis chapter 11 is fixing to be reversed by Acts chapter 2. Do you understand what I'm telling you? What he dispersed and how he did that in Genesis chapter 11, he is fixing to bring it all back together through the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2. He gave them all these different languages so that they could go forth and minister and preach the gospel without being impeded to a lost and dying world. And guess what? They preached their own language. And everybody else heard it in their own language. How marvelous is that? How miraculous is that? When we come back and when we look at this again, we're going to start in five and we're going to see that this was not something that was just crazy languages that nobody understood. No, these people were pricked in the heart. These people were cut so deeply, in fact, that they cried out to Peter, What must I do to be saved? This is the Spirit of God moving in the early church. And so I pray that you would examine your heart today as we, as we close. And as the musicians come, as uh, Miss Martha and Amy and Casey, as y'all come up, I want you to ask yourself, have you had that desire to tell someone else? Because this was the primary goal and the primary objective for the sending of the Spirit and for the speaking in tongues was for them to share the gospel throughout all the world. And so my question... Is do you have that desire? Does it come upon you? Do you share it with other people? Before we sing, let me tell you this one quick testimony Larry Wilson. Larry Wilson. He died not too long ago. I preached his funeral. He's on his deathbed. Brother Nelson was there with me. Larry Wilson had problems. And some of the problems that he had was doctrinal problems. His whole life he had been searching and reading and looking for the answer, for the truth. He wanted to know it. And he came to me. Well, he didn't come to me. I came to him and began to speak to him about the Lord. And as we spoke, he said, Brother Matthew, he said, I have questions. And he could barely talk. Very feeble. I have questions that I don't understand. I don't have the answers to. I know that this this is... Wrong, something's not right here. I got questions. And he said, I've never spoken tongues. Am I going to hell? He knew he was dying, so he's, he began to examine his life. Nelson was there. He said, Am I going to hell? He said, this is a question that I have that I've never been able to answer and never had anybody answer it for me. I said, you're talking about Acts chapter 2, right? He said, yeah, the day of Pentecost. So I sat down and began to explain it to him. And as I did, I shared the gospel with him. And he stopped me. And he said... I understand now. I understand what tongues was for. It had nothing to do with some noise that they were making. They were, they were telling people about Jesus. I said, yes, Larry, that was what was going on. He said, I've not had, never had anybody tell me this before. And so in that very moment, not only did that clear that up for him... But you could see the light going off in his eyes. Boom. And he stopped me and he said, let me pray. I didn't even prompt him to pray. I didn't tell him to pray. He said, let me pray. And he asked Jesus to save him right there on his deathbed. And it was over this very topic right here. There is confusion over this topic in churches in this area and all across the United States of America and all across the globe because the truth of it is not preached correctly. Larry was confused his entire life because of this very thing right here. On his deathbed, he learned the truth and on his deathbed, He received Christ Jesus by faith and was saved. And now he's with the Lord in glory. And I don't believe Bobby or Shirley would have a problem with me telling this right now. What I'm telling you is that the Lord is still doing that. He is still coming down and he is still speaking to people the way that they can understand. He is still speaking to their heart by the Spirit of God. He is still making known to them the way of God. And you can have that this morning if He's spoken to your heart. By receiving Him by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Guys, I want you to examine your heart today and see if that Spirit dwells within If it really, really does, or if it does not, it comes from above. It's a gift of God. At least any man should boast. Let's pray.